the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ours is a triune God that we worship and serve, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today, we have another look at the Son. Join us for Truth For Today. The ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to the program. Our series is called Meet Your God, and we have been keying in on the Father and today the Son. Over the course of the next couple of programs, we'll take a look at the Holy Spirit, but today we want to focus on the Son. Won't you join us as we take a look at the one who has purchased our salvation? With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Listen to this. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by one who has the character of son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. How did the universe get made? Why doesn't everybody believe it? Hold down. Now just hold, hold, hold it. Hebrews and Colossians. One other verse. Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's why we believe the universe was made by God. Now if you know how it was made, help yourself. I don't know I have all the how-to. I just understand he said, let it be. I want some light. Let there be light. Boom. Bara, creative word. I believe the universe was made by the word of God. By the second person of the Godhead. Now, let's go back uh, to chapter 1. The sun, in verse 3, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the Father. Now let's go back to Colossians. Collisions 1. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Ah, ah, firstborn. He had a beginning. If you said firstborn, right? That's what the cults say. They say, aha, we have two passages. He was the only begotten and he was firstborn. Let me tell you what the word means. The word often used chronologically means the first in a series. And that's the way it's naturally taken. Ah, he's the firstborn of all creation. But there's a second use of the word. 
It was he was supreme among the ranks, supreme, elevated above the others. He used this this way of Israel. Israel is my firstborn nation. It's not the first nation that existed, but she was given the superior rank in God's love and treatment to be set above all other nations. Now, Christ is supreme in rank to all creation. Why? Now, watch. Why? Let Paul talk. Don't let the cults talk. Why is he is treated like the firstborn? Why is he in this unique category of the supreme first in rank? Watch now. Verse 16. For by him... All things were created. By who? Your weak son. S-O-N. The son created. He set apart from creation. He's the creator. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, and I understand this to be categories of spirit beings, or rulers or authorities, All things were created by him and for him. He cannot be created and be the creator at the same time. And Paul's wanting to make it clear that the Colossian heresy was Christ was a spinoff in a pantheon of gods. And he's saying he's not just at the head of the pantheon. He is the creator of all spirit beings, visible and invisible. He is firstborn, not that he had a beginning, but he's superior in rank over all creation. If you want to check it out, read. It's the word prototokos in a Greek lexicon. Aren't in Gingrich, it'd be a good one. Bible Knowledge Commentary has a great treatment on it. Second volume in the Bible Knowledge Commentary. Five reasons why it shows he was not born. You may want to check that out later. Notice that. And he, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So what he's just saying, he's in a category all to himself. He created, things were made by him, for him, and then he says all things are sustained by him. They say in the structure of the atom that there's everything built in it to just want to disintegrate and just bust loose. And if we just get atoms released as in a bomb, it could do incredible damage and destruction, just destroy the globe. And I heard one scientist talking that there's something they call like a binding force. It's an unexplainable force that binds atoms together, that that there is something that binds it and coheres, that makes it stick together, that we just don't blow up. Now, 2 Peter 3 says someday... Christ is going to burn up all the elements of the universe. He's going to take all the things that make up matter and like a domino effect, say dissolve and the earth will burn up. But guess who is sustaining tides, sustaining the stellar system, sustaining that the sun stays on a certain orbit so as not to get so close as to burn us up or so far away as to freeze us. What sustains all these tides? What sustains this whole solar system? What keeps atoms? What is the binding force? It's the creator. It's God the Son that makes things hold together in the created 
world. Powerful. My creator sustains the universe. If he spoke the word, every molecule in your body could just disintegrate. But he is the sustainer of it. Well, look at some of the characteristics uh, that Jesus possesses. I will not try to go through all those with you. But many, many verses tells you that he has life in and of himself. That he's omnipotent. That he's self-existent. He just... He is all powerful. He's got the same attributes as his father, same attributes as the spirit. I love John 10. Let me take you there. Uh, When Jesus uh, is telling them he's going to die for them on the cross. Don't ever feel sorry for the cross of Christ. There is a theology that tries to dream up and cough up all the pathos we can about the cross. And even some churches, a, uh, a communion service is a re-crucifixion of the son. Because if we can get us to be in sympathy and feel sorry for him, maybe it will move us. Never approach the cross on those terms. God doesn't need your sympathy. I'll show you why. Look at John 10. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Isn't that wonderful? Just so straightforward. You know, I often pray the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my pastor. I shall not want. Because the word for shepherd is pastor. And he's my pastor. He restores my soul. He leads me. He protects me. I've got someone pastoring me. If all the earthly pastors die, I still got a pastor. He's, he's my shepherd and he's your shepherd. Us guys may blow it. We may not be there when you're sick, but you still got a pastor. It's Jesus. And he makes house calls. Uh, notice there, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Of this foal. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock. And one shepherd. That's why all these races belong in this church. There's only one church. One flock. It's not based on color or ethnicity. It's based on Jesus being your shepherd. Uh, The reason my father loves me. Notice this. Is that I lay down my life. Only to take it up. Again, now hear this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father who killed Jesus. Look at Acts 2. It'll tell you who killed him. Besides himself involved. Look at Acts 2. He'll tell you who was involved in his death. Verse 23. I'll start 22 to give the flow. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's 
set purpose and foreknowledge. So the father saw to it that he's put to death. The father and the son already had a plan worked out. They had a purpose before any of us bozos came along. Before Pilate ever sneezed. Before the Jewish Sanhedrin had ever been formed. God had formed a purpose with his son. They had already worked out a plan. It was according to God's purpose and foreknowledge. And you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus is saying in John 10, in the Greek it's stronger, it's a middle voice. I of myself lay my life down and I of myself will pick it right back up. No one has ever died like Jesus. When they're all afraid of the arresting soldiers, He calms his disciples down. Don't worry, I could call the armies of heaven. They could come and deliver me. That's no problem. I was born to die. I'm not trying to escape death. Matter of fact, if you read the Gospels, you'll read in different passages. He said he set his face as a flint and he told his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem. And if you read the narrative, it's like, wow, just like an arrow. He just changes. He's doing miracles. He's doing this. It's like a a watch went off in him and a clock. He said, we must go to Jerusalem. They said, why? He said, I got to die. Got to die. And they start telling him, you're not dying. You don't know what you're talking about. Get behind me, Satan. I know what I'm about. The clock is rung in heaven. I am about to die. We must get into Jerusalem for I must go there to die. He knew. And then when he gets there, Pilate, do what you got to do. You don't have any authority, but the authority I've given you. What? You're an itinerant peasant kind of Jewish teacher. You're talking to the representative of the Roman Empire. You can do no more than my father lets you do. Go ahead and carry out the sentence. They come to him in the garden. What do you want? They said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am here. The soldiers fall back. John 18. Try that. Somebody wants to arrest you. Just say, I am, to see if they fall. (laughs) Just try that. And then when he's on the cross, when he's on the cross, after six hours, from 9 a.m. in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, he uh, has these sayings from the cross, I thirst, take care of my mother. This day you'll be with me in paradise. He finally, uh, he came to a point and he's obviously in fellowship with the father. And he said, you know, six hours is enough, isn't it, father? The debt's been paid. You've been satisfied. You don't demand anymore, do you? And he and the father agreed. He said, he just yelled out to the father, father, tetelestai. It really means paid in full. Tetelestai. It is finished. It is paid in full. And then the soldiers come around, want to be very merciful to a cruel form of punishment. They said, go out there and, and break the legs of these men. We don't want them to mess up the Sabbath day. When you're killing God, you don't want to mess up a Sabbath. They went around and 
They get ready to break the legs and they come to him and say, whoa, whoa, don't break this guy's legs. He's already dead. The scripture said not a bone of him should be broken. There was not one bone. Well, how did he die this way? Father, I'm coming home. I'm going to dismiss my spirit. Spirit, go home. He died the very moment he wanted to die. He didn't die because of just natural causes. He had a say at the very exact moment he released his spirit. And he just said, go home, spirit. And then for three days, he went down to paradise, informed some folks that he was alive and well. And after three days, he jumped in on his own body. And he said, body, get up out of this grave. He helped resurrect his own body. That's what he said. I can lay it down. I can pick it up. Have you ever tried that? (laughs) He can do it. Anybody that can do that may be a quasi-God, but pull it off first. We've had no takers in all of human history. Just one man. I can lay it down. I can pick it up. I can die exact moment. So when I see Christ on the cross, you know what's the most moving thing to me about the cross? It's not that he was mobbed, that he was framed, and that he was sentenced, but that he knew and he came to go to the cross. It was his choice. That's what he's willing to pay to make me his child. A mob wasn't in charge, ultimately. God's foreknowledge and purpose was being worked out. Five minutes, we'll see how far we go. Then I'll just, I don't land the plane sometimes. I just crash. I just, I want to land, but you're supposed to land a sermon, you know, and I'm up here. All right. What a conclusion. No, that was a crash. So I go off a little bit longer and I just stop. We've just crashed. I got that when I was graduating from Dallas. We were in the baccalaureate service and the speaker was going and he was going on forever. He could have spoke on the eternal attributes. It was it just kept going and kept going and kept going, and kept going. And the guy next to me says he's trying to land it and he cannot find the runway. And so I know where the runway is. If we crash, we crash. Just three verses and. Pastor Rollins says, you know, you don't have to cover it all in one day. And I hate it when he's vindicated. Uh, Look at uh, John 5, where he claims to be God. And we'll just, we'll stop here and the crowd next week. I finished in the first service because they don't amen as much. It's easier to cover more material. If you'll ever learn just to quit amening, I won't go as long. But you better not be quiet. Um, verse 17, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. He said, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working for this reason. The Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That is a powerful passage. They understood that we are sons of God by adoption, not in the sense that Christ was. You're not a God. You have a divine nature that's been shared with you, which is eternal life. But don't go around calling yourself a God. You are not. You are not. Ask your dentist. (laughs) Can you imagine filling teeth for gods? Doesn't make sense. Uh, Look at John 10. We were just there, I know. 
But uh, look at verse 28, 29, great security of the believer passages. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And I used to always hear this verse. They said, but I can. You're about the weakest candidate around. There's a lot of forces stronger than you. He said, no one can pluck them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. You got to be greater than God to get out of his hand. I hope you're not that bold. Watch this. Uh, I and the father are one. Now, I thought there was three persons in the Godhead. Is that right? So is he saying I and the father are the same person? The Greek in this verse says, I and the father are one thing. They had a neuter. They do not only feminine, masculine, they could do neuter. We are one thing. Now, what is the one thing the father and the son have in common? They share the essence of God, the attributes, the nature. We have a realm that we share things in common, and it's in the realm of spirit. We are both deity. We are one thing, but two distinct persons. Two distinct persons. Um, well, let's see. He said, I, I am. What can I say? I love uh, Titus. Let's just, you know, let's go to Romans. I'll just stop here. I'll crash here. Don't send this to any homiletics department. Intro, body, conclusion. I know. I used to teach it. Uh, Look at, he's talking to Israel that they tried to establish their own righteousness and they tried to do it by works and they did not know that Christ was the way to be righteous with God, that righteousness with God would not be done by law works, but by receiving their Messiah. Now he says to them uh, in verse 9, because they're thinking being saved is a long way off. And he says, it's as close as your mouth and as close as your heart if you want to be saved. Verse 9, 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. 10, 9 of Romans, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Curios, he is the Old Testament Adonai. He is deity on one hand, and as deity, he is master. He's not master without deity. He's both. As God He is deity and gives him the right to be the master of our life. If you confess that with your mouth. And now that was not easy to say Jesus is Lord to his Jewish audience would mean they were exiled from the synagogue, disinherited in the family most times, could come under great persecution. So to even make a confession that he was this could cost them everything, especially at baptismal waters. We're going to baptize next Sunday night. Let me say this. If you're a believer in Christ and you've never been baptized, we have no right to call you a Christian. They never counted converts in the New Testament until they baptized them. It was the first act of obedience that usually brought persecution because they stood out and quit being silent Christians. Anybody who will not go public for him He doesn't promise to save them. That's what he's saying. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And what is the name of the Lord? He's talking the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available. Again, they're at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Yes.